Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Curry. Curry driving with wall back goes reverse with a left hand. It was so weak. This is Warriors Roundtable with the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. A little flip of the left hand, and David Lee has tremendous confidence right now. 19 points and 5 rebounds in the first half. Waiting, waiting, now to shoot, takes a shot, it's up and good. Did I say he was feeding it? Yes. Well, for the first time in 16 years, the Golden State Warriors have an all-star. Hi everybody, I'm Tim Roy, and once again, I'm inviting you to take a seat around the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, where we will celebrate the announcement that David Lee has been named to the 2013 Western Conference All-Star Team. David Lee has played so well this year at 40 games, averaging 19.6 points per contest, 10.8 rebounds, and an impressive 3.7 assists. All that while shooting 52% from the field and almost 80% from the free throw line. Steph Curry did not make it. That was rather surprising considering the year that he and the Golden State Warriors have had a kind of a head-scratcher uh, for yours truly. Uh, Steph Curry did not make the All-Star team. So we'll hear from David Lee in just a couple of minutes. We'll also hear from Scott Howard Cooper of NBA.com, an update on the uh, Sacramento-Seattle situation and what's going on with the Memphis Grizzlies as they made a trade to give themselves some cap room earlier this week in a deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll check in with the Warriors' off-the-court activities, answer your questions on Warriors Vox as well. At Golden State hitting the halfway point of the season, a record of 26-15, and 15, a remarkable record uh, for the Golden State Warriors. And, of course, starting Game 1 of the wind-chill road trip, and that comes your way tomorrow when the Warriors take on the Chicago Bulls. And what a great night, though, for the Golden State Warriors, as the franchise will be represented in Houston with an All-Star for the first time since 1997. Hey, a quick reminder, did you miss out on getting your very own Stephen Curry bobblehead? For a limited time, you can get your hands on this coveted Warriors bobblehead. Just go by your nearest Metro PCS corporate Bay Area retail store and activate a new Metro PCS 4G LTE phone. This offer available while supplies last. Find out more at warriors.com slash metro PCS. Hi, Tim Roy. I sit down with David Lee. I had a chance to talk to him just moments after being named to the NBA All-Star team, and that follows this time out right here on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Lee in the bounce, cuts off and takes the hand off baseline to the rack, jammed it, and was foul. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Curry right side, in deep to lead, no look, bounce to Azili who lays it in. David Lee is playing on a different plane right now. He's above just about everybody else on the floor. Rivers right side. Hi, Tim Roy. We're in Chicago. We're talking with uh, David Lee. And, of course, it's David Lee, 2013 Western Conference All-Star. It's got a nice ring to it. Yeah, it does. I'm, I'm really, really excited. Um, uh, very, very pumped to be a part of this game and, and to represent our team who hasn't had an All-Star since 97. So were you watching TNT when they were announcing the subs or? I was, I was. I, I watched uh, I watched when they announced the Western Conference. What was that like? Because was, you, you were the last guy I mentioned. That's the yeah, they definitely built it up to the end. It was, uh, it, it was amazing. I, I, you know, the last time I made the All-Star game, it was a replacement, so I, I wasn't, I watched, but didn't get the same result that I got tonight. So it was wonderful. It's, um, 
like I said, I was, I was felt like I was a little nerve wracking, you know, because I was thinking for two people because I wanted my teammate to make it as well. So, um, but it was very, very exciting to hear my name called and to hear the support of the guys on there, and and once again to to be able to represent this organization. And and to me, it means, you know, that uh, that our team is doing great things and, and finally getting national recognition. Last Warrior All-Star was in 1997, Latrell Sprewell. And as we know the process, it's a validation not only of the player but also of the organization. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the biggest thing is that we're all in this together. And uh, and after 41 games, we're, you know, we're 11 games over 500, and, and we're in a great spot right now, especially compared to past years. And, uh, you know, I'm a big believer that, that guys should go, you know, that All-Stars should come from winning teams. So I'm a product of that this year, and, and I'm just really excited you know, to be able to, to, to represent the Bay Area, to represent the Warriors, our whole organization. And, uh, and that's very important to me that, that we're represented in Houston. Now, when you were named in New York, you were a replacement. So it's got to be a little bit different this time. No question. Also, we weren't a winning team. So I think it was, it was uh, an all-star game I made strictly kind of off my numbers and, and individual play. And it doesn't have the same feeling. I was asked that earlier, and it, it, really, uh, it really means a lot more that, that one of the main reasons is because our team is winning ball games, and, uh, and we're going towards our ultimate goal, which is you know, a team goal, and that's making the playoffs. What's going to be like when you go in the locker room in Houston? And here's all these guys that you got to bang on: Blake Griffin, Tim Duncan, Zach Randolph, Lamarcus Aldridge. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was the same way when I made it the last time, where where you kind of uh, you're used to preparing, you know, to play against guys, and now you're on the same team. Uh, doesn't happen very often. It's kind of last time that kind of happened was like AAU ball back in the day when you're all of a sudden on the same team as a guy, but. Um, it should be, you know, make for an interesting thing. But most, most everybody's just excited to be there, and, and so you kind of put those differences aside for the time. What's it, what's it like being a player in an all-star game? Oh, the last time it was very nerve-wracking. My, my la- you know, my all-star game was in, uh, was in Dallas at that Dallas Cowboys stadium, and, and uh, you know, the grand scale of things is amazing. And, and uh, the game to me seemed like it was going 1,000 miles an hour because of the, you know, the average athleticism of the players in that game is – is uh, you know slightly higher than the average uh, in, in the NBA regular NBA game, but um, it's just I, I think just the the grand scale of things is you know it's kind of you can't even understand how many people are watching and 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 you know the the hoopla over the whole thing. So it, it's like I said, it's going to be great to to be able to wear a Golden State jersey. You know, with the amount of, of work I put in you know this season uh, to help our team. You know. Uh, you know, be where we are right now and, and the amount of work everyone's put in. It's going to be great to, to have that jersey represented and, and being worn in Houston during, during that game. How disappointed are you for Steph Curry? I'm very disappointed because, you know, as you know how well, you know, him and I get along and on and off the court. And, uh, you know, that's my, that's my partner in crime. And I think that we've done a good job of leading this team all season long. And, and he absolutely uh, deserves as much credit as, as anybody uh, on the success of this team. And, and, um, so I was I was rooting for him almost more than I was rooting for myself, and uh, I really was. You know, he was the first person to text me to congratulate me, and I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed. I never want to see anybody get hurt, and and that's why it's tough to say I hope he plays because that would be the result of somebody not being able to play. But um, everybody that knows me knows how how much respect I have for Steph, and and um, 
we couldn't be, you know, we I'm not here. We're not where we are right now if it's not for Steph. So uh, he's got a lot of all-star games ahead of him, and, and we'll keep our fingers crossed still for this year. You never know. San Antonio is known for not sending guys somewhere, so maybe, <laughs> maybe a couple of those guys will stay home. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, I never want to see anybody get hurt, but uh, Steph deserves to be an all-star, and, and uh, for the reason that I deserve to be an all-star, and that's that our team is winning and our team's in a great spot right now. And and uh, so we'll keep our fingers crossed. I know that you guys expected to have a good season. Did you expect to be this good at this juncture without Andrew? Uh, without Andrew, absolutely not. I, I think uh, if you would have asked me honestly, I would have said we could be a couple games above 500. We could be in that seven or eight spot right now. But to be 11 games above 500, to uh, to to have beaten some of the teams we've beaten, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure anybody could have expected that, even, even the most positive person. But the the thing that's the best about it is it's to me it's not a fluke. To me it's not because we've shot eighty percent behind the, behind the three point line and we're outscoring people. It's been it's been a a team that's had a lot of substance. It's been a team that's had great character and great chemistry and it's been consistent with what we've been doing. And it's from the front office to the coaching staff on down to the players. We've gotten contributions from everybody. We're starting two rookies. Uh, we've had a lot of things that, that normally don't translate into a lot of victories and we've we've made them our strengths. And and that's what's that's what's been so rewarding about how our team's played. Yeah, there's a certain resiliency about this team and I'll be from my perch on high there. Uh, Go down the guess we'll miss a couple of shots and consecutive possessions, and I'll look up and they're still down only four. It's it's an amazing little uh, resiliency, and it starts on the defensive end. No question. I think I think we've set a record in in this year in saying saying how many how many times we've said after the game, well, last year's Warriors would have lost this one. I think the number of games that that we've you know, should be down 15, but we're only down five or six, or a game that we win by six that, that we would have lost by six or eight in the past. It's been all because of defense, improved rebounding, and really sharing the ball offensively. And, and those three things have, have been consistent throughout. And every team has their good games and bad games, but we've been pretty good, you know, most of the time. Two final questions for you. Uh, your thoughts on this road trip, the uh, wind chill road trip? Yeah, the wind chill road trip. The uh, Yeah, it's going to be a, a cold one, but. Uh, you know, I, I think that our team's proven all season long that we've really bonded together on the road, and and that's why we had such a good road trip uh, last month, and why we're going to continue to to have good road trips. Is you know, defense travels well, uh, and and so does rebounding, and so does the way we play ball. So uh, we have four tough teams, and we have to take them one game at a time. But I think uh, I think we're excited to come get some victories on this trip. And finally, who are you looking forward to sharing this the most with? I think, you know, I think my family, uh, uh, my family, it's always great to, to call mom and dad and, and, and my sister and talk to them about this. Uh, but because, you know, I'm doing this on, on a winning team, because I'm an all-star of a winning team, I think that, that everyone shares in this and the whole organization from top to bottom. And it, it once again, I think, you know, speaks to how we're finally getting some national recognition because we're winning ball games. So that's the that's going to be it's going to be awesome to to share that and uh have all the guys know that they've been a part of it. Well, congratulations. You deserve it. You've worked so hard. You've played so well this year and it's an honor uh, well deserved. Thank you very much. So there's my conversation with David Lee, Golden State Warriors All-Star, the 2013 Western Conference All-Star team to play in Houston. But Steph Curry did not make it. 
which was very surprising when you consider the uh, number of bigs that are on the Western Conference team. Let's go back to the TNT broadcast where they announced the All-Star selections just a few hours ago. And here are the reactions of some of the panel, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, and crew, about Steph Curry not being selected to the Western Conference All-Star team. I am so hot right now, Ernie. I can't, for, for them to leave Steph Curry off that team, it's a joke. It's a flat-out joke. Them coaches, man, I, I, I really am so angry right now. I can't, get, can't wait to get on TV tonight and blast their ass. Well, you're, well, you're on Curry. TV right now. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm talking about when I can go on and on and on. Okay. For, for, Steph, Curry not to make, for Steph Curry not to make that team, it's just a flat-out joke. Hey, I said David Lee should make the team, but for Steph Curry not to make that team is just a joke. You know, and David Lee might be the all-star, but the most valuable on that team is Stephen Curry. You can't, they can't be in the position they are without Stephen Curry. It's impossible I mean, for that yeah. team to be there. So that's, that's what's kind of interesting. Yes, he's the all-star, and he has the numbers to back it up. 21 points, 7 assists, number 3 in the league, and 3-point percentage for but a team that's 26 this, and 15. They would not be 26 and 15. We saw what that team was when he's hurt. That team, and they have Monte Ellis at that time. That team cannot even make the playoffs or be near sniffing the playoffs without him. So that was tough. So you can see it's not just the Bay Area and Warrior fans who are a little disappointed that Steph Curry did not make the Western Conference All-Star team. Uh, certainly you would have to think that uh, if there is an injury that Steph would be named to replace another Western Conference player. It's time to drive for five with Kia. Purchase or lease a 2012 or 2013 Kia vehicle and you'll drive home with two tickets to five Warriors home games. For complete details, including a list of participating Bay Area Kia retailers, go to warriors.com slash Kia. Hi, Tim Roy and the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues after this timeout on the Golden State Warriors Radio Network. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Last Monday was a big win for the Golden State Warriors, a victory over the Los Angeles Clippers. And it was a day to celebrate not only that win, but the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. Every year, the Golden State Warriors step back and reflect on the legacy and the message of Dr. King, a man who reminded us of what America is all about, that everyone has a right to be free, and that everyone has the right to dream. It's a day to reflect on what America is all about. It's a day of celebration as we hear through the thoughts of the Golden State Warriors. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream. You know, regardless of your skin color, your uh, orient, sexual orientation, any anything that 
you know, might be seen as, as odd or different about you, that, that it shouldn't be a crutch, that it could be something that defines who you are and that you should embrace it. And, you know, we shouldn't be as judgmental about, about certain things and everybody should have an you know, opportunity to do whatever they want in this world and, and be able to achieve anything. But my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. touches so many people and not just for people of color but you know he wanted equality for everybody for one person to have their voice to bring so many people together you know it's just a, a, a tremendous thing that, that he had going I have a dream that one day one day right there in Alabama little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers I have a dream today I'm a have watched this famous I have a dream speech. I actually performed it when I was in kindergarten and I was like, you realize that all those things that he said, you know, they're now coming to pass. We will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. It was just really inspiring to me just because um, here's this man who had such a vision for this country and just wanted to you know, pursue racial you know, equality and just wanted to just progress this nation as one. This will be the day, this will be the day when all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee, sweet land of liberty of thee I sing, land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. From the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom ring. From the mighty mountains of New York, let freedom ring. From the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania, let freedom ring. From the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado, let freedom ring. From the curvaceous slopes of California, but not only that, let freedom ring. Let freedom ring from the Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from the Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and molehill of Mississippi. From every mountainside. Let freedom ring. Let freedom ring. And when this happens, when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city. I cannot count how many times I watch Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. I still get teary-eyed. I still get goosebumps. I say to him, mission accomplished, and thank you for everything. We will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last.
over him. It's up and good. Harrison Barnes can feel it right now. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Time now to answer your questions about the Golden State Warriors on Warriors Box on Twitter. Warriors B-O-X, fire away. We try to answer as many as we can. Or you can go to the Warriors website and send me an email at timroy at warriors.com. T-I-M-R-O-Y-E at warriors.com. We have questions, of course, not only on our post-game shows, but right here on the weekly roundtable. So tonight we'll answer some questions that don't relate to the news of the day, but still are on the minds of Golden State Warrior fans. So let's get right to it. On the Twitter, Trapped in Golden State wants to know, do you think that owner Joe Lacob would risk swinging a deal for Dwight Howard without a contract guarantee with Bogut signed and the team winning? Well, I think you've answered your own question. I, I, I don't think that's a, that's a move the Warriors need to make right now with the way this team is set up and the fact that we don't know about the impact of Andrew Bogut. I think that Andrew Bogut will be as good a fit for this Warriors team as any center out there uh, for this Golden State Warriors squad. He doesn't need the, a lot of touches. He's a guy that can pass, he can defend, he can block shots, and he's not a player that's going to be upset if he scores six points or eight points or whatever it might be. He is a player that's all about winning, all about defense and rebounding. I think he's going to fit. So I don't think the Warriors are going to be in that conversation for Dwight Howard. Bliss M98 wants to know, who do you think the Warriors will play in the playoffs? Well, of course, we've just hit the halfway point of the season. So there's still a whole entire second half yet to play. So you really don't know. I think it looks good right now for the Golden State Warriors as far as playoffs are concerned. They have shown no sign of a real drop-off in level of play. And what does that tell you? Well, it tells you that this first half was not a mirage, that I think barring injury or barring something catastrophic, uh, that Golden State will continue to play this good, strong level of play in the, for the rest of the year. So it's really not fair, though, because you don't know how Memphis will play in the second half of the year. How will the Clippers play? Oklahoma City, San Antonio, what injuries are going to occur in the second half of the year? How are the Denver Nuggets going to handle all those home games uh, they have upcoming? There are a lot of factors in play right now, Bliss, but I think, but I think the Warriors are in the playoff mix. Right now you're looking at a, a, a five spot. You'd love to get to four to get home court advantage. We know how important Oracle is uh, to the Golden State Warriors, but on the flip side, so far, Golden State has shown itself to be one of the best road teams in the NBA. So I don't know if it's as big a factor as people would like to make it out to be. I think really the matchups would be more important for the Warriors as opposed to whether or not they have home court advantage over another team. Good question, though, and and isn't it great that here we are, the halfway point of the season. And we're already looking ahead to a possible postseason berth. And it's not just scrambling to get into the number eight spot. Uh, Right now, the Warriors are solidly right in the middle of the Western Conference playoff hunt. Of course, what would Warriors Vox be in this season of 2012-2013 without a question about Andrew Bogut? Spencer wants to know, when is Andrew Bogut returning? The million-dollar question surrounding the Golden State Warriors season. I think Mark Jackson summed it up this Monday on the Martin Luther King holiday when he was asked about Andrew Bogut before the game. I look forward to the day he's in uniform. There will be no pressure on him. He'll continue to have uh, treatment, continue to go through his rehab, continue to uh, work his way onto the floor and work his way onto practice and all of that. But I don't, I don't get caught up in it as, as a coach. I think we've got to keep it moving and look forward to having him one day, whenever that day comes. I, like Dr. King, have a dream. 
Thank you so much for all your questions. I hope that helped you out. You can send your questions to Warriors Vox on Twitter, Warriors V-O-X, or email me, Timroy, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E, at warriors.com. Don't miss the next bobblehead giveaway. The Clay Thompson Bobblehead Night will take place on Wednesday, February 20th, where the Warriors take on the Phoenix Suns. The first 10,000 fans in attendance will receive a limited edition bobblehead, courtesy of Lucky. Go to warriors.com slash bobblehead. We continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Scott Howard Cooper of NBA.com stops by to give us his thoughts on the rally held by Sacramento Mayor Kevin Johnson earlier this week in a bid to keep the team in Sacramento. The trade by the Memphis Grizzlies that got rid of some salary, which will make the Grizzlies more viable in the years to come. That and other around-the-league topics when we continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Up and good, David Lee getting to wherever he wants to go on the floor and knocking everything down. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. I, Tim Roy, always a pleasure to welcome in from NBA.com, Scott Howard Cooper, and and, uh, longtime uh, scribe who has covered the NBA for years and years and never uh, behind the curve as far as stories go. And, Scott, a pleasure once again to have you on board, and, and we have lots of things we can talk about. Great as always to be with you. First of all, let's, let's set the stage what's happening in Northern California. Here's how it sounded on the Tuesday in Sacramento when Mayor Kevin Johnson, former Cal standout, former NBA star, held a press conference announcing that Sacramento is not going down without a fight. The folks in Seattle don't celebrate too early. And because we as a community, we've had the emotional roller coasters. It's hard and it's tough. And I would hate for them to be misled. And at the end of the day, if they don't get a team in the time frame that they want, it's going to be very hard. And I, I just say to the fans of Seattle, you know, be cautiously optimistic, be smart. But this isn't about our city against their city or one mayor against another mayor. We have something that's ours. We want to keep it, and we're going to do everything we can to make Sacramento the final resting place of the Sacramento Kings. Scott, a lot of uh, – uh, almost had the feel of a little bit of a pep rally there yesterday, didn't it? Well, it definitely had the feel of a pep rally. Uh, the announcement was a bit of a boost for people in Sacramento, but certainly nothing significant in the really big picture when you're talking about putting together a deal for hundreds of millions of dollars – have 19 people come up at a million dollars each. The, after the press conference, they added one more, so they're at 20 people for about $20 million. That's obviously a very small fraction of what they need to get to. That was the first step. Kevin Johnson said he hopes by the end of this week and uh, certainly by sometime next week at the latest to have the big money guy announced, and that, then we'll really know what's rolling. It seems like you know they're trying to almost go step-by-step step just to keep the buzz going, uh, do you think they have a shot at getting to the point where the league would say, you know what, there's enough money there to uh, to keep the team in Sacramento and we're going to say no to the Seattle deal? Because obviously, you know, the, it's almost like a, a, an instant replay review. You know, the, the call on the field is they've sold the team to Greg Hansen. You know, now is there enough evidence on the other side to overturn that? The problem is, uh, I, I don't. I don't think that the real issue is can Sacramento get the money or can Sacramento get an arena. I, I think the answer to both of those questions is yes. The biggest problem for Kevin Johnson 
and Sacramento operation is who's sitting on the other side of the ballot. Uh, you're asking people not only to vote in favor of Sacramento, which the Board of Governors can certainly do, but you're asking them to, in the process, vote against Seattle. And that's where it gets to be in a real long shot for Sacramento. The Seattle bid has everything that a, a league could want. The deep pockets of an owner going into a market with a proven history of backing sports. Uh, the passion is obviously there for the return of the NBA. Rename them the Supersonics and put them back in the green and the gold. There, there's a new arena that is ready to go. Uh, there is absolute, the, the Seattle bid checks all the boxes. And that's the real problem for Sacramento right now. is isn't what Sacramento's bid looks like. It's what Seattle's bid looks like. That's what Sacramento has to beat. It needs to go to the Board of Governors and drum up some sympathy and say, hey, I know you got what basically looks like an ideal opportunity here to get back into Seattle, a big market with international corporate backing. Uh, but you know what? We've been, we've been good for the NBA for a number of years. Give us some sympathy and stick with us. And I guess also, too, uh, there there's some financial considerations involved, uh, I believe, too, right? Because if, if they move to Seattle, there is a relocation fee, and the owners get a cut of that, right? There's always financial aspects involved, yes. There, there's no question. And when we talk about why the Seattle bid looks so appealing to the owners, uh, there is that relocation fee, but also the money that could potentially be coming in for the next 10 or 20 years. The owners certainly will be looking at that. When the relocation committee does its research, I suspect that one of the things it will be noting is the potential economic impact of being in a market the size of Seattle versus a market the size of Sacramento. And again, that's a problem for Kevin Johnson and his group. It's not an anti-Sacramento thing, but it's another pro-Seattle aspect that will certainly be considered. Scott Howard Cooper, NBA.com, is our guest. I'm Tim Roy. Now let's move on to uh, other aspects here in terms of uh, of the NBA and and what do you see is happening with the Memphis Grizzlies right now because they just made a trade that's very lopsided but it also has to tie in with the salary cap. They cleared enough salary that they're able to get away from the luxury tax which has obviously been a goal. What we don't know is whether this is the end of their dealing. Uh, there was there was a great deal of conversation between the Grizzlies and some other teams around the league in the last couple of weeks, primarily involving Rudy Gay. And there was some conversation about, well, it's clearly a money move the Grizzlies were trying to make. And some people are now saying that they don't need to do a Rudy Gay deal because they got into the luxury tax, so, so that's going to save them a large chunk of change. There was a different school of thought, though, among some teams that I had talked to, and that was maybe the Grizzlies' new ownership and new management team thinks that they have a good team but not a great team and that if they may feel like uh, this team is, is good enough to be among the top four or five in the West but that they want to challenge to be the top one or two and therefore a legitimate threat to win the West and get to the finals. Uh, and so maybe they're looking at Rudy Gay offers as a way to improve themselves actually on the court. That So there is some doubt whether this is or is not the end of the Grizzlies' conversations. And I think it's it's interesting that to, to um, they've they've got a lot of issues going on down there because Lionel Hollins obviously is is in the final year of his deal, and but but yet they're still right there they're still poised to make a title run. And I think the case could be made that just by uh, the again because it's a new ownership that they want to look around and sort of assess the value of their team on their own terms, not just take the word of 
of what uh, the previous owner had told them. And and Chris Wallace is still there. He he is in place as as the former and the current general manager. But there also are other people that have been brought in very high up into basketball operations. So. You can certainly understand what Memphis is going for by having a lot of conversations, but I think it's it's fair to note that just by doing the window shopping that it'll be interesting to see if this comes into the locker room at all. Because you're right, things are going well, but there are but there is a great deal of uncertainty about exactly where the team is headed. I can't help but wonder if the distractions will have an impact at some point. Scott, let's, let's move on to uh, what's happening with the Los Angeles Lakers. Do you think there's any scenario out there where they would trade Dwight Howard this year? I think they're to the point that they have to at least be having those internal conversations. Certainly they would never they would never say so publicly, and I think at some point it comes down to conversations that I suspect either they have had or at some point will have to have with Dwight, uh, where you just go straight at him and say, what are your thoughts about next season? And we need to know... And at the same time, they make it clear to him, we want you here. We think you're our bridge to the future. It's everything that we envisioned when we traded for you. But we need to know what you're thinking. Now, obviously, I think that uh, Mitch Kupchak is aware of that and Jim Buss is aware of that. And at some point, because things are not going well, and and Dwight is is starting to make noise again about uh, his level of unhappiness. It's become quite clear. So I think they base it on what he says. That if they go to him and says, "What you know?" If they go to him and say, "Tell us your thinking," and if he says, "I'm 100% committed to being here," I'm frustrated, but I still see a great future here. Then I don't think that they do anything. But if they get a response to the contrary, if there's either hemming and hawing, or you know, hey, I'm not going to stick around to be the scapegoat, then they have to see what's out there. Scott in Phoenix, they fired Alvin Gentry. And, of course, Lindsey Hunter is now the uh, new head coach. Kinda, it was kind of sad in one sense that, that Dan Marley is out as a, an assistant coach for the Phoenix Suns because he's really one of the last connections they have there to uh, some of their best years. It's probably a, a symbolic thing more than anything because if you're the number two or number three assistant coach and you decide not to come back, uh, I, I think that's something that most organizations can overcome. But if he doesn't come back and Elston Turner then also doesn't come back, you've just fired your coach. There's a great deal of uncertainty uh, about the front office situation, who's still going to be around. It just looks really bad. And that's not to be, and actually it is in the standings, of course, but I think everybody knew that it was going to be a difficult year. Uh, but there's just this sense that everything is unraveling now. And you're right, it's important that it's Dan Marley because he is – such a popular figure down there. He's been associated with the team for so long. So I think I think it's a big deal in that regard. It's just that things are there's this sense of everything going coming off the rails in Phoenix and and in a hurry. I mean, this has all been very very sudden. Let's move out of the Eastern Conference. A couple of teams I wanted to, to touch upon and uh, teams that the Warriors will see at their upcoming road trip. What's your take on the Milwaukee Bucks? Uh, Scott Skiles is out as head coach. They have some real intriguing pieces, obviously, with the guard line of Monte Ellis and, and Brandon Jennings. Uh, Larry Sanders has been very productive this year on, on the blocking shots and, and rebounding for, for the Bucks. They have some, some pieces there, but do they need to balance out their roster a little bit? Uh, yeah, it's, it's obviously not a, a complete roster. Um, I would also...
also say, let's give it a little time to see how things play out over the long term for the Bucks. It's not unusual anytime there's a coaching change that there's this burst of energy that, that comes with, with hearing a new voice. Uh, if they can maintain this for a long time, then I think they've got something. Uh, otherwise, it's just a, a middle-of-the-pack Eastern Conference team, which doesn't get you much. You do have some pieces, obviously a lot of potential. There's some uncertainty what's going to happen with Brandon Jennings as a free agent over the summer. How much, how deep will the Bucks go to match an offer to keep him? I know that Milwaukee feels like they've got some good possibilities there because when you look at the offense of Jennings and Monte and the defense of a guy like Larry Sanders, and, and they're very high on what rookie John Henson can do over time once he adds some weight and gets some experience. Uh, but right now, uh, until proven otherwise, this is a team that is not making any serious inroads into the top. Now, you could say it's a, it's a success if they do make the playoffs, and that is a good thing. But obviously the goals are for something more than just getting into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. And they also have a, a big offseason upcoming for them. Exactly. Correct. Yeah, we talked about the Brendan, Brendan Jennings right. part. Uh, they need to make a decision on, on the several other key people off the court. Uh, this is a, a pivotal offseason for the Bucks, no question. Let's talk about Chicago. Uh, Derek Rose starting to, to come back, starting to get uh, into rhythm. Do you think we'll see him uh, by March, by April? Do you, do you think we'll see him before then? Well, they're... The Bulls are purposely and understandably staying away from putting a timetable on this, but uh, there's certainly a lot of indications that it's getting closer. I don't know if we want to say soon after the All-Star break, if you're looking more the you know the start of March, there's obviously uh, a couple weeks difference in there, and that's not a huge deal when you're talking about a guy that could have potentially been out an entire year, and they're obviously going to err on the side of caution. They're, bring him back a couple games too late rather than a couple games too soon. But, boy, when we talk about a, a burst of energy with a coaching change, I don't think that's anything compared to the burst of energy the Bulls would get uh, with the return of Derrick Rose. He's obviously not going to be at 100% right when he returns, but this is a team that's been playing pretty well considering it's been without its best player. Now you add in uh, Derrick Rose and you give him a, a, a couple, three weeks sort of get his rhythm back and get his conditioning back into basketball shape as opposed to workout and practice shape. And then you've got something. If they've been able to play this well without him, I, I think that that's a real possibility to be, to be the number two team in the East come the playoffs. You know, they're eight games above five hundred, and they're a team that, that has, uh, to me, they're, they're the perfect example that you know, the old phrase, defense travels, uh, because... They, you know, they really, they really are a great team without Derrick Rose. And but, but I think you know, Tom Thibodeau has it, has it, you know, their respect. I mean, if he he benches Joe Kim Noah, and it's not really the, you know, across the league headline that it would be in other places because I, I think people say, well, Thibodeau knows what he's doing, and and he's got a good reason for it. That's the key thing, Tom Thibodeau. This is why a couple years ago, when people talked about the up and coming assistants, who the next wave, who are the guys that that people really want on their bench, his name had been mentioned for a couple years, and this is exactly why. He's, he's done a terrific job of uh, not only building an attitude there of defense, but also in building a lot of confidence. Because let's face it, these, this is a team that you say, gosh, they're without Derrick Rose. There's a lot of guys uh, that could have taken the easy way out and say, well, gosh, we're, we're probably going to have to 
try to eke by this year and scrap it together until Derek comes back. And obviously that has not been the attitude there. Uh, Noah playing at an all-star level, and the defense, as you said, keeps them in every single game. That's been the big thing. And finally, I, I want to talk about Toronto for a second. They're they're kind of an odd team in the sense where Lowry goes down and they get better. Uh, Bargnani goes out and they win more games. Uh, I, <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard to figure out. Yeah, they're, they're obviously a jumbled uh, mess right there, and I think this season was going to be a lot about sorting things out anyway, uh, but that's been made all the tougher because of the injuries. I think they, they know that they do have some good pieces there. Uh, obviously, they, there's a strong belief within the organization, organization that Valanciunas is a centerpiece moving forward. He made a big investment to get Kyle Lowry and feels like he's a part of the future. DeMar DeRozan has taken a step forward. Uh, there's been a couple good moments from Terrence Ross, their lottery pick, so there, there is reason for encouragement, but uh, Bargnani remains an enigma, and the wins have still been very tough to come by. And at some point, that's become the bottom line. They need to get their guys healthy. They need Valanciunas to get the experience of playing in a rookie season rather than sitting in a rookie season to really know what they have going forward. Scott Howard Cooper, always a pleasure to uh, to talk some round ball with you. I appreciate your time uh, today and, and look forward to uh, catching up with you somewhere down the NBA trail. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate that. I don't believe it. I can't believe it. Unbelievable. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Time now to look ahead to the upcoming broadcast coming your way tomorrow right here in Chicago. Warriors and the Bulls as Golden State will try to keep Joakim Noah off the glass. On a post up against Pierce, backing in, backing in. Terminates his dribble circle left, Joakim Noah. Noah against Collins on a spin. In front, Gibson. Got it! A 16-footer, Taj Gibson playing on one leg. And Joakim Noah with a triple double. Congratulations, Joe. And we got a foul on the floor against the Bulls, Jimmy Butler. Joe Kim Noah with a triple-double. Warriors and Bulls, 445 the airtime on KBR 680. Then it's on to Milwaukee, a bus ride into Wisconsin, where the Warriors will take out Brandon Jennings and the Bucks. The streamers are coming down. We look at the replay right now, That's and good. got it off with like two-tenths of a second left. A game winner for the Young Bucks. Bango for Brandon. How about this finish? 105-102 Bucks. A buzzer beater by Brandon. And the Bucks win the 45th season opener here at home and are 2-0 to start the season. Warriors and Bucks coming your way, 5 o'clock the airtime on KBR. Then on Monday, we go north of the border to the country of Canada, the province of Ontario, the city of Toronto, as the Warriors will see DeMar DeRozan and the Raptors. And they're doing it with four Nick Starters out there. Warriors and Toronto, 3.45 the airtime on Monday on KBR 680. Then we wrap up the road trip in Cleveland on a Tuesday, and that means outstanding point guard Kyrie Irving. Irving started by Aflalo. Irving's got to get over the timeline. He does that. Irving gets to the foul. Got inside, laid it up. He scored with four seconds left. Irving drove. 
through the right elbow, got to the left side of the hoop and banked it home. Four seconds remain, and the Cavs have a 199 lead. Warriors and Cavaliers at 345 the airtime on Tuesday, and then back home for a Wednesday night weekly roundtable special night next week. It's a Wednesday night show. Comes your way at 8 o'clock. Thanking Dave Feldhouse at the controls. Our producer, R.C. Davis. Thanking Scott Howard Cooper of NBA.com and Western Conference All-Star David Lee. I, Tim Roy. Thank you for listening to the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Ray Woodson is up next on KBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. It's a four-on-three. The trailer's Curry right side. Fires away. Three ball. For tickets, go to Warriors.com or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.